People want more democracy, not less. It's time to talk progressive politics and practical solutions with Joy Silver. Outspoken from Radio 111. Now, here's Joy. Welcome, defenders of democracy in these turbulent political times. And turbulent is a kind word. Uh, Once in a while, we have to rejuvenate ourselves. And how are we going to do that? We are going to laugh and laugh. And your question might be, is voting a laughing matter? Well, we can laugh and vote at the same time. And so today's show is voting a laughing matter. And we're going to find out a little bit about that. Our guests today are Lynn Philippa and Mina Hartong. Lynn, uh, after performing with the Improbables for nine years, she decided to do some stand-up comedy, and she's a regular on a show that the two of you do called Les Out Loud. Lynn is living in Palm Springs with her wife of 35 years and caters to the needs of their schnoodle, Lainey. She still has her day job doing landscape design and installation with Vintage Outdoors, but hopes to retire someday soon and she says please let it be soon (laughs) mina hartong is an award-winning comedian and mc and also a producer and a longtime educator she taught theater in public schools for over 20 years she produces her own comedy show les out loud and curve magazine named her as one of the funniest lesbians in america and they say we don't have a sense of humor we're going to find out that isn't true au contraire says lynn when she is not on stage that's mina she enjoys teaching comedy storytelling and coaching comedians now les out loud is a comedy show giving stage time to women and lbt comedians And it will be hosted in Cathedral City. They're going to be back for their first show of the season in November. And the tickets will be going on sale in October. So register to vote and join them in November to make some noise. So welcome, Lynn, and welcome, Mina. Thank you. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Well, it's great to have you in the studio. And Mina, she's uh, patched in by phone. And I can't help but ask both of you, and I'm going to start with Lynn, what in heaven's name made you get into comedy? (laughs) It's a good question. Well, I had been doing improv for like nine years with the Improvables of the Desert, and it was wonderful, but I don't know what happened. I just decided I wanted to write and do my own stand-up. And I saw that Mina was offering a comedy class through the center, and I took it. And then to get even with me, she's made me open for her on all these shows. So anyway. And you're I, doing it again I right am, here on I, this show. I'm there you go. S&M right there here. you go. Yeah. Mina, tell me a little bit about how you entered the comedy world. Yes, thank you. So I actually entered the comedy world by accident. I'm an actor by training, and I was living in Amsterdam after college and finding my way just out of the closet and getting into all kinds of shenanigans. And there was an open mic at the LGBT center there in Amsterdam, and I just went there and told some funny stories about, you know, messing up my Dutch language and locking my bike wrong, et cetera. And I had no idea it was a contest, which is probably a good thing. So I won. <laughs> people people started calling me a comedian, and they said, can you come to my event and do 20 minutes? And I said, sure. And then I went home and panicked and started writing. Where are you now? Where did you start this illustrious career? So I, I started in Amsterdam. I'm, I, I, I grew up in the States. My dad is from Holland. But right now I'm in New York City. So I, these days I split my time between Manhattan and Palm Springs. 
Mm. Uh, two places that, I mean, both of which I lived. And, in, and this is something our audience and our listeners probably do not know. I actually, and the two of you may be familiar with this, but I actually worked for Catch a Rising Star comedy clubs back in the day when illustrious people were starting. I did know that. Did you know that, Mina? I think we talked about it once on a hike. <laughs> oh, we probably did at that point. I had been there when Jerry Seinfeld and Joy Behar were starting up. They were actually managed by Catch Rising Star Comedy Clubs at that point in time and used to go out to all of the clubs out there and saw a lot of uh, a lot of people doing their starts including uh, Judy Gold. She was doing her thing when she used to have little spit curls on the side of each side. I mean just her whole look was <laughs> yes. <laughs> you could laugh just by Susie Essman was out there at that time and we had some women really coming out there and saying a few things that I don't know that women were used to hearing other women talk like this at that particular time. Has there been right. a lot of changes in comedy? Lynn you haven't been on the comedy trail as long as Mina, no. uh, but have you seen changes in roles and ways of writing that women now are involved in just overall in your life? I think so. I think it's a lot more authentic and honest right now with women are sharing all sorts of personal things and it's not just joke, you know. I think they're sharing mm. a lot more personal experience and insight. And, you know, and the best thing is to be able to be humble enough to have people laugh and, you know, share some of your struggles with people, but in a humorous way. But in a humorous way. (laughs) Well, but, you know, I think that the the change has been interesting because you'd had Joan Rivers and Phyllis Diller. Phyllis Diller certainly being among the first, but self-deprecation was really the way that women got their laughs. Mina, have you seen changes in the time that you've been involved in comedy? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've been involved in comedy for a little over 20 years. And I always say to my students, this is a really great time for women to be coming into comedy. And also that's true for non-binary folks and the LGBTQ community as well. It has changed so much in terms of, you know, um, seeing a lot more women. You used to, you know, when I first started in comedy, there'd be one woman, right, on the bill of most comedy clubs. And then you had to really prove yourself and be like the funniest woman ever because you were the only one. So we're seeing a lot more equity there in terms of just the lineups of who's performing. And of course, Hannah Gadsby's show, Nanette, mm. just blew the roof Fabulous. off of what we think stand-up is, right? And it really changed the course of my writing and my career as well. So, you know, it really is worth mentioning her. And yeah, I just think also now we've got, you know, I don't know, I mean, Linda and I talk about this all the time because we're, you know, we're sort of old farts. We're not old, hey. but we're, you know, we're not, <laughs> we're not young, right? But, you know, everything's happening on TikTok and YouTube and streaming. So there's so many, you don't have to even go to a comedy club anymore. Wait, Mina, can I interrupt you and say that community. I had to ask, is podcast on video? <laughs> you know, that's how old a fart I am. And she, she very politely said, it's just audio. Lynn and I was like oh yeah podcast okay I think I said it's always audio yeah okay yeah (laughs) you know it's okay I mean I was relieved not to have to put a bra on for this interview so I I totally know where you're coming from do you have particular comics now that you really admire and and who are they and why do you like them start with you there Mina yeah, so many. Well, Hannah Gatsby, who I mentioned, I oh. like that she's changing She's changing the way we think about the art form in general. And also she's, of course, as Lynn said, it's really important to also be very hilarious and funny. You know, I've always, I've always liked, although she's not doing much comedy anymore, I've always liked Whoopi Goldberg. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a big fan of Judy Gold. I, I love Amy Schumer. I thought she was terrific at the Oscars. 
And and I, you know, I always go back to Robin Williams, probably because I grew up watching him. And he's just someone that I always love watching. I get inspired by. How about you, Lynn? Mm. Well, she stole my Hannah Gatsby thunder. She just just amazed me with her intellect and her, you know, and her humor. But I also like, I think it's Kathleen Madigan. Is it Catherine Madigan? Mm-hmm. I can't remember. She's been around a long time. She's an old dog like I am. And she just has a great delivery and response. But there's so many women. I've been watching them on Netflix and stuff. And Margaret Cho, I always admired, but she always kind of scared me. And I don't know. There's just great people out there. I see a lot of black women really entering the the um, the arena. Um, they Ready, I watched that, and Tiffany Haddish and her bringing up. A, the, I love Tiffany. And yeah. this is this is really comedy. Like I don't think people had ever really seen. It's almost bombastic in the size of uh, the personalities. And and yeah. I will say there are some men that that are like that, but I think they're really changing the way people see women saying what's really happening for them. But I just want to go back to Hannah for a second because I don't know if everybody's really has seen Hannah. So, And I know you can see her on some of the streaming networks. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of the show. I think it's her name, Hannah, right? Douglas. Well, Nanette was the first one, and then Douglas is the more recent one. They are both on Netflix. You're right, Joy. Yeah, and when I saw Nanette and when I, when I first saw Hannah, it's funny, funny, funny until it isn't. It was serious. It was serious, and and it, it almost reminded me of the character Payachi, right? It's 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 a clown, but it's also very it is extremely tragic. And I don't know if either one of you want to comment, but not only is this political to me, watching her show is extremely political, and yet because politics in general is about who has the power and and how that power is either going to be shared or not shared, and by whom. Okay, that this would be a working definition from my point of view. And when we listen to somebody like Hannah, and you realize she is telling a story about the things that have gone on in her life, and how she was victimized, but she's not a victim, and who gets left out, and why they get out, and kinds of things that happen in society. And it was not just eye-opening, but it was it was almost heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if either right. of you experienced it the same way. I, I, I'm going to start here with Lynn uh, oh, yeah. about that. I was, first, like you, I was laughing along, and then I thought, oh, my God, she's just laying it out there. And I was so impressed. I mean, that took a lot of bravery and courage to, to do that. But she's just so smart, you know. But she said so much about being on the spectrum and all her things she's put up with. And we also listened to her uh, audio book that mm. she has written, and it's really something. What was your was, experience? So, yeah, yeah, with Hannah Gatsby and Nanette, you know, I was really fortunate um, that I was able to see Nanette live mm. here in New York when it first opened, and everybody was sort of talking about this show, and they, were, they knew I, my friends know I'm a comedian, so you have to go see it. And, but they didn't tell me what to expect, so I went to see it in a small off-Broadway theater, very intimate, pre-COVID. We're all sitting, you know, bunched up next to each other, and she starts, and like Lynn said, she just starts, she's a very skilled comic. She's been a decade of just pure stand-up before the show, right? So she's totally experienced in that. And then suddenly she's talking about sexual violence and everything that's behind her jokes. And I've been watching theater since I was 10 years old, and I got profoundly uncomfortable to the point where I wanted to get up and leave the Mm. theater because I just didn't know how to sit in my seat and internalize what was happening. I did stay through the show, 
but I haven't had that experience very often mm. in the theater. And I was, I, I wasn't upset that she was breaking the rules. I was like, I didn't know what was happening. And I went to see Douglas live too, and had been a fan ever since, and went back and watched her old stand up and. Just, you know, they say that the definition, one of the definitions of comedy is pain plus time. Mm-hmm. And people often ask me, you know, in interviews, they say, what will you not joke about? Right. Mm-hmm. Is anything off limits? And there are a few topics that are for me personally. But I do think that for women in particular in comedy and just in humor, our, our lives are so full of so many oppressive, you know, experiences that we are very well equipped to weave these stories and to bring humor in where there has been a lot of pain. And Hannah really demonstrated that like beautifully. Well, for those listeners who have not, and I've only seen um, the first one, Nanette, I did not yet see that second one, the Douglas that you're talking about. But to hear somebody in a stand-up show talk about sexual violence mm-hmm. and the pain of that and the telling of it, and that's why I say it's funny and funny until it's not funny. I understand when you say about the uncomfortableness and and not knowing how to process what's happening in that moment, because that's not why you're there. She really rocked the boat with that. And I think she got so much bad feedback from a lot of the old male comics about it, that that's not stand up. Right, Mina? Didn't she? Yeah. As if they can define it. (laughs) Which they have been for decades. And I think that's one, again, I want to go back to the power, who has the power and who's sharing the power and who wants the power to be shared. I mean, that's the whole fight we're in right now between what is democracy and who should should participate in having rights. I mean, that's really it. I don't know. I I remember having produced a rally, and this might have been two years or, or more back. And at that rally, different women came up and spoke about their experience, particularly about abortion and before it was legal. And you know where we're going with that part of our politic right now. But, mm-hmm. but the main thing that came out of that, and this is something that I was sharing, I said, I am going to ask every woman in this crowd, and it was a sizable crowd, who among you has not suffered some kind of sexual assault or some kind of words or something under it? Who hasn't been assaulted, whether verbally or physically or actual sexual assault? No one stood up. No one. Wow. Whether it was a boss and in, in who was pressuring them or somebody making some sort of a comment to them or undermining them somehow or talking about their body parts. No, from actual sexual violence and assault. Not one woman in that crowd had not experienced at least something to some degree and I don't mean to make them all the same but indeed and I think a lot of men don't realize that we live with that and it doesn't matter what age and what generation we're coming out of so the fact that Hannah was brave enough to talk about what she talked about and sexual violence and the things that happened to her on stage she has opened up a whole new perception of what's funny and what's not funny and what actually can produce changes. It's awareness. I want to move to your particular comedy, and I'm going to start with Lynn to tell us a little bit about this. What would you say your subject or your style of comedy actually is? Well, my subject is me, of course. And uh, it's, you know, just things that my perspective on life and what's going on and as aging and things that are happening to me, I, I just, I appreciate where I am in my life and the uh, point of view I have. And it, some things crack me up because, you know, I've been around a while and it's just, uh, 
it's fun to share that with other women and I see them react and things like, you know, like losing weight or stuff that a lot of people can relate to. So it's mostly relatable. And you think it's a, it it sounds uh, generational. It sounds, I mean, I think there's something about becoming an an older woman or a woman of a certain age. There are some surprises in that Mm -hmm. about either you're, sometimes you're not seen. I mean, I think there's many, many things. And so I I think we can look forward to hearing about some of those things from you and your comedy, I would imagine. Well, being a baby comic in my 70s is, 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 you got to start somewhere, right? You got to start somewhere. (laughs) Mina, tell me a little bit about, tell me your style and and how you see it. Yes, thank you. I just, I'm saying Berlin is a perfect place to start. Um, You know, my comedy has um, evolved as I evolve, right? Which is what Lynn was saying. So, you know, every decade brings new material, right? So right now for me, it's a lot about being in my 50s and menopause. That's brought me a wonderful material. <laughs> um, and, you know, I started out um, doing a lot of material about my family. Most comics do. You know, I come from a very dysfunctional family. There's a lot of material there. Um, teaching, I, I taught in public schools for 20 years, so I use that material. And, of course, my lesbian identity and what I observe from my lesbian community is always a lot of fun. And I, I think you were saying at the top of the podcast about, you know, making a joke that we don't have a sense of humor. And I've, I've never found that to be true. So I love laughing at myself, and I love getting our lesbian audiences laughing at themselves as well. It's just pure joy. Mm. So I, I, I really enjoy that lately. I see. Well, I think that 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 is commendable. But what is the most critical skill that a comic can learn or have? I think delivery. And I think it takes time. You know, Lynn and I talk about this a lot, um, and I talk about it in my classes. So, you know, the writing is the writing, and and, uh, that happens at home and maybe, you know, in a writing room. But, you know, finding that delivery, that timing, the mechanics of the joke, right, even the number of words you use in the setup can determine whether you're going to get a laugh or not, the economy of the language. So I think delivery becomes probably the most important thing because a lot of people are funny and a lot of people can be humorous writers, but if it's going to be stand-up, it has to be delivered in a very particular rhythm and and style to Mm. translate as that. And what do you see, Lynn? Well, what she said, but, you know, (laughs) I, I was an actor for a lot, many years before I got into doing improv down here. And like she said, I think it's all about timing and, you know, obviously being comfortable on stage. And I learned so much from Mina about editing and how to deliver a joke, even though I, I had all this acting experience. It's different when you're telling a joke. I'm, I think I'm, as Mina has said, I'm more of a storyteller than a da-da-da funny joke, you know, bada-bing, you know, person. But I think I, I'm so grateful I had some acting chops to get up on this and you know it really helps with the delivery part. Mina were you brought up in New York City? I wasn't I was brought up in Connecticut in a suburban area outside of New York City so not not a New Yorker at all and I still don't really pass as one as hard as I try. (laughs) (laughs) You do. (laughs) How about you Lynn? Because I'm too nice my cab driver is always like you're too nice you're not a New Yorker. (laughs) I grew up in the LA area I grew up in Alhambra San Gabriel Valley and, you know, close to Pasadena. And one more question about geography. What brought you to the desert, Lynn? Love. Just, you know, a breakup or something. I ended up down here and had to get a job, and I happened to be able to play the piano and sing, and all of a sudden I was in trios and duos, and I was the, the broad behind the grand piano with the big hair and the boobs singing away. 
So yeah. I did that for <laughs> like 15 years down here. Oh, I bet there's many a story to be told mm, about that. You betcha. You betcha. <laughs> and how about you, Mina? What brought you to the desert? So that was COVID. My wife and I had visited Palm Springs many times on vacation and love love it there. But when COVID hit here in New York, we live in a very small New York style apartment. And we were very fortunate that we were able to leave New York City at the height of it. And we, we uh, found a rental out in Palm Springs for six months. And then with vaccines and all that, we, we ended up staying a year, which was not planned at all. Mm-hmm. Um, we rented from some Canadian couple who couldn't calm down. And so then we were really living in Palm Springs, experiencing the summer, experiencing all the seasons. And the community just, everyone says this, but it really is true. The community completely embraced us, even when we were quarantining and over Zoom. So we just made so many friends. And then I started doing shows and just loved the audiences. So I've been coming back every winter. We're looking forward to that. I know your show is called Les Out Loud, the election edition. And why do you call it that, Mina? Yes. So every every Les Out Loud show, I like to pick a theme. And originally, I was going to call it the Pride the Pride edition because it is Pride Week in Palm Springs. And then in late June, the Supreme Court decision came down like mm. a like a hammer. Mm. And I was here in New York when it happened. And I lived not too far from Union Square. If people are familiar with the sort of East 14th Street, a lot of protests happened there. And so I went down that evening because all of us were in a terrible, terrible way. And I was watching the the march go by. There were lots and lots of people down there. And I I probably won't ever forget it, but I saw a young woman marching and she was sobbing. Mm. And she was probably 25, 24 years old. And I called Lynn and I said, we need to make this the election edition. We need to change the theme of the show and we need to make it all about people voting on November 8th. So we've been sort of running with that, and it's been it's been really fun. And I'm hosting and headlining, so I'm going to be talking incessantly about voting and As <laughs> bringing people up on stage to talk about it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to harass people in a in a fun way. But yeah, so I just decided to change the theme based on that Supreme Court decision because, and we're writing postcards here at home. My wife and I are writing postcards to swing states. It's the only way that I can stay optimistic. I yeah, I have to do activism. You're doing so your thing to get out the vote. And will your bits reflect some of these things about voting? Or is it just thematically reminding people? It's going to be a little bit of both. I mean, we have four comics on the bill. We have Brittany Roberts making her debut. Lynn, of course, is our opener. And then Rosa Escondon, who's from New York, but her mom lives in Palm Springs, who's joining us as a featured comic. So I don't know if they're going to do election material, Joy, but I certainly am going to do some as well as reminding people. And then I'm going to do a song parody. And I can't say too much about that because it's a surprise, but it will be about pro-choice mm. ah, good, <laughs> and about abortion rights. So that will be interesting to see how you make that funny. (laughs) I'll be looking forward to hearing that. You know, Will Durst was a political comic, but so was Jonathan Stewart, who, by the way, I got to see when he first started out on open mic night at Catch a Rising Star. It was a Monday night. I'll never forget him. He was a skinny little kid with dark hair. Yeah. But he has managed to make politics and horrible, horrifying situations somehow be funny, whether through irony and or jokes. And if it wasn't for some comics to lead us through these things, I think that uh, comics almost become the court jesters in a certain way. Fill fill that role, because in those kingdoms, there's people could not say certain things politically that comics or court jesters were 
emboldened to do. It was their job to do that. They could say these things. And I think that this role is a very important role in our culture. And I'm really happy to see women take up that role and expand upon it. Lynn, do you have any feelings or opinions on that? Oh, I just, I love what you just said. And I, I what was going through my mind was I'd love to hear you do that. Ah. I bet you could do some good comedy and, you know, ironic commentary or something. But no, I, I've, I think right now is a really good time to, com- comedy kind of lessens the blow a little bit, softens it, I think. But we could still get a message across because we all know what we, <laughs> what we're fighting against and, we have to laugh about it, and I think it gives us some strength. It does. It gives us some strength. So we're looking forward to hearing your show to give us strength. Yeah. As my mother used to say, yeah. give me strength. <laughs> exactly. And so many people this past year since the pandemic hit have been saying at our show, it's like, I just need to laugh. Thank you for making me laugh. And I think it's, you know, it's a mental health issue at this point. You know, <laughs> so I, I'm just so happy that we can be live and and, and do that for folks. Well, we're going to see you at the runway on November 2nd from 6 to 8. Yes. Les Out Loud, the election edition at Mina Hartog and Lynn Philippi. And this has been Joy Silver Without Spoken. Stand up, fight back, have a laugh, because this is what democracy looks like. 